14 says this. Some of y'all are familiar with this verse, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus makes this claim, and this is an important thing that we've got to understand, that Jesus makes claims about his identity, about who he is, and we as human beings are left with the decision whether or not we will apply ourselves to faith in believing that Jesus is who he says he is, or we will not. And this isn't just a, a binary on or off choice. There's moments of our life that I got to say, God, I trust. It doesn't look like this is the right way to go, but God, you've called me to go this way. You've called me to put my faith in this, so I believe in you. And this is a moment and an opportunity that we get to do that. See, there are many claims of Jesus, and we get to either join ourselves by faith to who he is, the savior that he is to the world, or instead we can choose to reject those claims and reject uh, the man who is Jesus Christ, who's more than a man, but is God. And my prayer this morning is that as we look at what God is teaching us through the book of Acts about who Jesus is, my prayer is that you would join yourself to faith in what God is and what he's done. That, that maybe perhaps you came in here not really sure about who Jesus is, that today you'd have a fuller understanding. And more than just an understanding up here, that you join yourself to faith in who this man Jesus was and who Jesus is eternally. That you would join yourself to faith in who he is. And so we've got a, a long section of scripture we're going to read today. If you missed us last week, you weren't here. Last week we looked at the first part of this story. And in John or Acts chapter 3, it begins with Peter and John. They're two followers of the way, these followers of Jesus. And they're walking through the city, and they come upon a man that they probably walked past hundreds of times. He was lame from birth. He couldn't walk. He was there just helpless on his mat begging for money. And God gives these men eyes to see him, and they give them faith to pray for this man and this man miraculously recovers, a man who was lame from birth, who could never walk, and all of a sudden, not only is he standing up to his feet, but he's jumping, he's leaping, he's praising God, and everyone everywhere is amazed. And we're gonna pick up the story in Acts chapter three, verse 11. We've got a long section, and so hold on to your seatbelts. Here we go. It says this. Now while he, the man who was healed, he clung to Peter and John, and all the people Utterly astounded. Say astounded. astounded. They're astounded at what God had done. They ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw, he saw all the people, he addressed them. He said, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though through our own power or piety we've made him walk? He's saying, guys, it's not us. It's not the power within us that saved him. We're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. He continues, it's not through our power or own piety that we've made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus. And here's what you did to Jesus. You delivered him over and denied him in the presence of Pilate. And when he decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And catch this, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. 
And by and, and his name, Jesus, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the, the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as also did the rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. He's telling them that Jesus is the one that God has been speaking of, that God gave a roadmap and said there's going to be a Savior and he's going to suffer. This is what he fulfilled through his death on the cross. Verse 19 continues. He tells them, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. I'm almost done, guys. I hear I swear. Verse 22, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. It shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Father, we thank you for that word. We thank you for the big story of God, the story and the fact that you came to redeem that what was broken. You came to restore that which was damaged by sin. We thank you for your word. Today, I want to give you just a couple of points of application. That was a big old section of scripture. Some of y'all are like, I don't normally hear that much, uh, and that's okay. We read a lot uh, of scripture, but I want to give you five points about who Jesus is. Peter gives us a, this revelation of five identity statements of who Jesus is. The first is this. He declares that Jesus is our healer, that Jesus is our healer. He says in verse 16, he says, And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So he tells us that Jesus is our healer. And what I love about the disciples is that when God moves, when God heals this man, there's the people, they, I mean, they're like astounded. They're like, what on earth just took place? There's a crowd that gathers but these men, they don't say, look at me, look at what I did, right? Some of us might feel a sense of accomplishment to be on a miracle of God. We're like, look what God just did. How cool is that? But they're not saying, look at me. They're saying, why are you astounded? God did it. And they're giving glory to where glory is due. They're giving honor to where honor is due because they have the understanding that it's not by their power or strength that it's taken place. They say, it's not by my power, it's all God. It's not because I'm holy, it's because God is holy. <clears throat> it's not because I got some great strength or great gift. And by the way, God sometimes gives us strength and he gives us gifts and he gives us abilities and talents. But they're saying, look, it's not about me, it's about the power of God. And I'll just tell you something that, that 
That if you will position yourselves in such a place, in such a way that you say, God, I want you to use my life to make a difference, he'll, he'll push his power through your life. He'll use your gifts and your natural abilities and he'll supercharge them by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he'll do things in your life and through your life that you never expected. But we have to have this attitude that it's not at my power. These are the moments that I call only God moments. And I believe God wants us to experience these sort of moments that, that, man, we pray for someone and, man, I know I don't got the strength to heal the sick. I know I don't have the strength to restore sight to the blind or to do these miracles that I see. But, but when God shows up, the impossible becomes possible. Those things that were unattainable become within grasp because God's power is available to those who believe. And so there's something that takes place in those only God moments where you have to look back and say, man, only God could have done that. And I think each of us have those kind of stories in our lives, maybe in our lives, maybe in our friend's life, where we say, man, I don't know how, I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. What a coincidence, right? What a coincidence. And I say, no, only God could have orchestrated that. Only God could have opened that door. I've been pushing on that door and pulling on that door and kicking on that door, and then all of a sudden, God opened that door. All of a sudden, there's a breakthrough. Those are the only God moments. And I'll just tell you that those kind of moments happen when I'm, I allow myself to not be the hero of my own story. And here's the deal. I was talking with a brother about this this week, that there's these moments that I think sometimes as Christians that we love to be our own hero. Like, man, I just prayed real hard and then God moved. Right? Even when I'm letting God have the glory, it's about me. It's about my effort. It's about what I did. And I think sometimes we're like, you ever seen an athlete after a big game and they're getting interviewed? And they're like, like so, so what happened today? Yeah, well, I work real hard. I've been at the gym a lot. I've been working on my short game, whatever the, whatever the sport is. And they're always talking about their accomplishments and how they've worked hard. And I think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we have that same perspective when we think about the miracles of God. But what I love about Peter and John is that they don't say that. They're like, don't look at us. Look at God. God's the one that did this miracle. It's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The same God who's been doing miracles for as long as we can remember is the same God who did this miracle through the name of his servant, Jesus it's the name of Jesus. It says that he was healed by faith in his name. He was healed through faith in his name. Uh, Peter's about to break it out in the next chapter, talking about this name and the power of the name Jesus. But there's something powerful. There's a reason we don't just pray to the, to the clouds. We don't just pray to to our higher power, we pray and have faith in the name Jesus. There's something important about that name. And there's something powerful that's unlocked when we will understand that we are healed in Jesus' name. See, he is the name above all names because Jesus is our healer. The second truth that we learn from this scripture is that Jesus is not just our healer, but Jesus is the author of life. And this is a huge theological thing that we've got to get down into our hearts and believe that Jesus is the author of life. Some of us, we need to take hold of this. He says, just kind of casually in verse 15, he says, you killed the author of life. There's something important for us to understand that. 
that life has an author, and his name is Jesus. That life has an author, and I, I think just how... I'm such a visual person, and I just imagine an author sitting down in maybe like a, a, a lonely cabin, and they're writing a book, and they're just, they're creating. And, and I think of this because I've got an eight-year-old son that creates. He loves to create characters out of nothing. He's made in the image of God, and he reflects the character of God, and so he creates things just like God creates things. But, but I, just love, I just love to see his mind come to work. He'll create a character and then he'll draw him and then he'll describe him. And he creates something. It goes from his mind into reality. But, but he just creates things on paper. God created all things and he spoke them into existence. So we're like God, but we're not God. We're made in his image. We're made to reflect and to be like him, but, but we are not him. Jesus is the author of life. And this is a powerful statement because in saying that Jesus is the author of life, Peter is declaring Jesus is God. He's not just a good man. There's many religions that believe Jesus was a good man. There's many religions that believe that Jesus was even a prophet, that he spoke on behalf of God. But what Peter is declaring with, with no bones about it is that he, this man who lived on earth, he existed before he existed on earth. That he is and was and is to be God in the flesh. And this is an important revelation. And this is vital. See, Jesus is not just Savior. We believe he's fully God. He was fully man as well. He wasn't just a spirit. But he was fully man as well. But he is God. John 1, 1 gives us this, this background. It says, in the beginning. Okay, we go back to the beginning. Sorry, guys. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word, read those words with me. The Word was God. He was God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. John would go on in that chapter and declare that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. This word that was at the beginning came to dwell among us as the man that we know as Jesus of Nazareth, the savior of the world. See, but the Bible declares that all things were made through Jesus and all things were made for his glory. This is an important thing. See, because the reality is that we think of history as, as something with a beginning and a middle. Maybe I'm in the middle. I'm not at the end yet. I don't want to be the end of the story. But I'm in the middle, and then there's an ending, right? And now we think of history in those terms, but God is beyond the confines of our history. In fact, if we were to declare what history was, that history is really his story. It's the story of God and what he's done and what he's doing and what he's about to do. And so as we read through the pages of scripture, we see what God has done, what he's doing in the midst of our current era and what he's going to do in a day, a day we call the day of restoration. We're going to look at it in a minute. But Jesus is the author of life and everything that teems with life that we experience on this side of eternity is from God. Because he is the author of life. And conversely, everything that works against the powers of God, the things that, of darkness in this world, the things of death and destruction are contrary to God and his ways. But that's not the end of the story. See, right now we live with the presence of sin, don't we? 
Right now we live under the threat of death. Right now we live under the threat of virus and, and famine and all sorts of other things that, that, that sometimes can cause us to get worked up and worried. But God says that the one day we'll be set free from the presence of sin when all things are restored into their right order. Does that give you hope today? It gives me hope. It gives me great hope to know that, that he is the author of life. Third thing that the scripture teaches us is that Jesus is the author, not just of life, but of our faith. And faith comes through him. See, verse 16 says, and his name, by faith in his name, were made a whole, made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health. So not only is, is a healing power come through the name of Jesus, but our faith itself comes from Jesus. And again, this begs the point, I'm not the hero of my story. See, sometimes I love it. That's why I love to watch movies. We were just talking about this this last week with somebody. You know, that's why I love to watch movies because when I see the hero, I see William Wallace and he's standing up for the little man. That's me, right? I'm the hero. I can see myself in, on that horse with that sword, right? I can do that. That's me. But when I come to faith in Jesus Christ, I come to this realization that I'm not the hero of my story. That my salvation doesn't come by my own working, but it comes by the working of my Savior, of my Redeemer, of Jesus Christ, who is the one who has done that work in me and for me. That I can't deserve or earn my way to God, so God made a way for me. And that's why we call it grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It means I haven't worked for it. I haven't earned it. Neither have you. Some of y'all came into this house today and you don't feel like you've earned the favor of God or the love of God. You don't feel like you deserve anything from the Lord. And I'll just tell you, neither do I. None of us do. But that's why he's poured out his grace on us. And though we don't deserve it, he lavishes it upon us before we ever earn it, before we could ever do anything to do anything about it. See, I am not the author of my faith story. Jesus is. And sometimes I think this, this, is, this is something that we gotta grab hold of. Now, we are a church, I mean, we believe that, that I have a choice in the matter. I can choose to follow after God or I can choose to run away from God. But the reality is that I'm not even the hero of my salvation story. It's not like, sometimes we describe it that way, like, yeah, I was running away from God and God was calling me and finally one day I let God win, right? Like, like I'm the hero, right? Finally one day I just, I, I say, okay, God, I'll let you have this one. Right? That's our story sometimes. But the reality is that faith comes through Jesus. He's the one that beckons to us. He's the one that calls to us. When you hear the voice of God calling to you, it's not, it's not because of something you did. It's because he loved you first. See, we love others because he loved us first. And sometimes we think in the wrong ways. We think we make ourselves to be the hero. But the reality is that Jesus Christ is the hero. He's the one who called us and redeemed us. He wants to write your story. Some of y'all, you're like, I don't have that story yet. I think today may be the day for that, and that's, your, that's you. See, here's the reality. Here's what it says in Hebrews. Don't just take my word for it. Hebrews 12 says this, verses 1 and 2. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We like to read that. We love that verse because that means I get to do something, right? It's, I'm just running my race, just struggling and striving. Why? Verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus. What is Jesus? 
He's the author and perfecter of faith. He's the one who began the story in you. He's the one that called you unto himself. Maybe he's calling you today unto himself. But more than that, maybe you've already put your trust and hope in Jesus. You're already following after this way. You're following after this one who is the savior of the world. He is the one that calls you. He's the one that begins your story and he's also the one that perfects you. He's the one that does the work of redemption and restoration and what we would call sanctification in your life. He's the one that renews you day by day. Now, does that mean that, man, I'll just, I'll just sleep on my Bible and I'll just get it by osmosis? No, we still, we still pursue after God, but God draws us to himself. And I'll just tell you something, friend, this takes all of the, all the pressure off. Sometimes we feel like I gotta perform for God or I have to do for God, but man, when I realize he's the author, he's the perfecter of my faith, it changes things because he's the one that's working those things out in me. But I still pursue after him. I still long for him, but he's the one that does the work. I've got to run the race, but he set it before my feet. He's given me strength to walk it out. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. See, there's something important about our understanding that Jesus being the author of life, but he's also the originator, the, the creator, the author of our faith. And fourthly, we learn that Jesus is not only the author of our faith, but he's the only way to eternal life. And this is an important facet that we've got to understand. See, Peter tells the people, he says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. See, these people, they've been walking in their own way. They had the wrong view of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They looked down on Jesus and thought that it was their job to judge him. And instead, he's saying, no, this is the God of Abraham and the Isaac and Jacob. This is the, the author of life. Instead of looking to him and saying, Jesus, I don't think your ways are right. Instead, we need to shift our perspective and look up and say, Jesus, I believe that you are God, that you are the only way to the Father. And that requires a change of thought. See that word repentance? Sometimes we hear that word in church, we hear that word in the Bible, and we think that means, oh, I gotta grieve and cry, and, and, and maybe there's some grieving, maybe there's some crying, but that word repent literally means a change of mind. It means, God, I used to think of you in this way, and I wanna change the way I think about you. I'm gonna change the way I think about you, and, and in Hebrew culture, to change the way I think implies that I changes the way I live. Like, if I believe that I'm gonna get in a car accident, I'm going to put that seatbelt on. You know what I mean? I'm going to drive a little slower. So it's a change of thought that changes everything about us from the inside out. So he says, I want you to repent and turn back to God. Where you've been trying to be the hero of your story. You've been trying to fake it till you make it. You've been trying to, to make it look right on the outside. God says, would you stop trying to do that and just come to me? Allow me to be the author. Allow me to be the perfecter of your faith. That's what God wants to do. See, he's the only way. And this claim of Jesus Christ is both the most inclusive statement ever made in human history and the most exclusive statement ever made in human history. See, the Bible declares that God so loved the world that this message of hope is not just for, just for a select group. 
It's not just for these ones and not those ones. It's not just for the rich and not the poor. It's not just for this race and not that race. It's not just for the men and not the women. It's, there's no barriers. God says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the glory, the grace of God is available to all who come by faith. So it's the most inclusive message this world has ever heard. But it's also the most exclusive. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's not two ways to heaven. There's not 10 ways to heaven. There's not 100 ways to heaven. There's one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life. And see, the reality is that our activities can never save us. The things we do for God will not save us or bring us closer to him. And what I love about Peter and John is they even say, guys, you think it's because we're pious, right? And sometimes people will look at those who walk after Jesus and say, man, God just graces you because you're holy. No, 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 God makes me holy because he loves me. His grace is because he loves me. It's not because of anything I've done. And what they say is, don't look at us, look at Jesus. He's the one who's brought healing for this man. He's the one that, that changes our lives. And throughout the book of Acts, we see people look at the followers of this way, these followers of Jesus, and they say, there's something different about you. There's power that's coming out of you. There's, there's something changed about you. And every time these followers of the way, they say, it's not us. Don't look to me. Lift your eyes heavenward. Look to God. He's the one that can do this work in your life. See, the reality is that Jesus plus nothing is all we need. Sometimes we think, I'm just going to add Jesus to what I'm already doing. Just sprinkle in a little Jesus. I'll just say the Jesus words, right? But what God is calling us to is, is to lay down our old ways and to follow after him. That's why this whole series is called This is the Way. Because Jesus doesn't just say, do this in addition to what you're doing. He said, I'm the way. That implies that I follow after him that I walk in his ways, not in my ways anymore. I don't just say, hey, Jesus, come on my way. No, he says, I'm the way. Don't just invite me into your story. Join me in mine, Jesus says. Follow after me, and I will make you become fishers of men, he says. See, there's something powerful that happens when we will understand that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And finally, it tells us in this scripture, verse 21, tells us that Jesus is our soon and coming king. And this is the good news, my friends. It tells us this. It says, Jesus Christ has been appointed to us whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things comes about. And this is a day that I have great anticipation for. As a follower of Jesus, I have great hope in this day of restoration. Sometimes as I live on this side of eternity, on this side of that day of restoration, I grieve. I grieve as I see my brothers and sisters and family members and friends hurting and struggling with the effects of sin and dealing with death and brokenness and, and sickness and all these things that God designed us to not be a part of, that there's a hope that one day we'll be on the other side of that, that finish line where God says, I'm going to bring restoration of all things, a time for restoring all things. Not just some things, but all things. See, Jesus is our soon and coming king. Jesus is the one that God the Father proclaimed hundreds of years before Jesus was born into human history. 
because Jesus predates history. He proclaimed that one day, Abraham, one of your descendants, will be the one that, that, that through you, the nations of the world will be blessed. He's proclaiming to Abraham that a Savior is going to come from your line that will be the Savior of the world. See, our Bible contains the story of God from the beginning of time to the current era that we live in. We call this the church era to the end of time when our Savior will come, when the return of the King is slated to take place. And in that moment, when the return of our King comes, all things will be restored. See, the Bible says that heaven has received Jesus until that time, until that time has come. And sometimes we have a short view of history. We forget that, that God is coming again that the things that we deal with on this side of eternity, though they seem long, though they seem painful, though they are very real, they are temporary. That there is a future hope that we have. That one day we'll be set free from the presence of sin once and for all. One day things like coronavirus won't, won't be a thing that causes fear to dwell within our hearts. One day things like heart attack and cancer and, and these other sicknesses and ailments that we struggle with on this side of eternity, one day those will be but a memory from the days before the king returned to restore all things. It says, heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things comes about. See, that is a day that brings me great hope. See, I just feel like I need to share this. 1 John 4, 18, as I've been thinking about and praying over our nation and praying over our church and praying, just seeing the reports uh, about toilet paper sales. Maybe you've seen those. I see, I, see, I see as a nation, we're gripped by fear. And we do need to take care of our bodies and take care of our planet, all that stuff. But I was reminded in 1 John 4, 8, it tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. And see, as a, as, a, as a follower of this way, I don't have to live controlled by fear anymore, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of, fear of calamity, fear of famines, fear of those things, because I've got a living hope that goes beyond the grave. I've got a living hope, and, and that doesn't mean I don't want to get sick. I'm still washing my hands, right? Y'all should wash your hands, you filthy numbs. You got to wash your hands, but, but we don't need to live with fear. And this is an important thing, because I don't think God wants us to be afraid, he doesn't want us to live in fear. I do want to pray for our brothers and sisters struggling around the world because hardship is real. Famines are real. Those things that are struggled around the world on this side of eternity, those things are real. But we have a hope. And here's the reality, friend. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. God wants to spend eternity with you. God has made a way for you to spend eternity with him, no longer separated by your sin, no longer separated by any obstacle or anything that would separate you from God. God so loved you that he made a way for you to come home to him through his son, Jesus Christ. Some of y'all already know that up here. But my prayer is that that would, that would shape the way you live down here and shape the way you walk and the, 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 the way you use the rest of your life that you'd walk with the understanding and the, the realization that God loves you because that will change everything. If you'll recognize this reality that God wants to spend eternity with you, he's made a way for you, he is the way, 
He is the truth and he is the life. There's only one way to, to the Father, and it's through faith in the name, Jesus. There's power that comes from knowing that. And friend, I pray that you would walk away today not gripped by fear, not overcome by, by defeat and death and, and, and all the brokenness of our world, but you'd have a hope that says, God, I know that you came to redeem me. And you came to redeem my neighbor and my friend and my coworker and my relative and my neighbor. God, you came to make a way where there was no way. You came to do an impossible thing because Jesus is fully God. And this book, the Bible, it's all about him. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God who brought healing. The same God who spoke life. The same God who, who authored life itself wants to bring life into your brokenness. He's a God of restoration. So I want to pray for you that wherever you're at today, the Lord would touch you and, and remind you of this truth that he loves you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts. There's areas maybe we've, maybe we intellectually believe that you're God. Maybe we intellectually believe you're in control. But Lord, for one reason or another, it hasn't worked its way down into our heart. It hasn't shaped the way we live. Today, Lord, we pray and there's areas in our lives that we've walked away from you. Maybe we've tried to do it on our own. Maybe we've tried to be our own hero. We've tried to work out our own thing. And God, today we repent. We turn back to you and we say, Lord, we need a touch from you because it's not about us. I no longer want to try and be the hero of my story. Jesus, you are the hero of my story. I look to you, the author and perfecter of my faith. Jesus Christ wants to be your healer today. Perhaps you came in this place with a broken, a broken heart, a broken body, broken spirit, whatever it is. Today, Jesus says, I want to heal you, spirit, soul, and body. If you've got a need before the Lord, would you just talk to him right where you're at? You don't got to do anything crazy or special. Just say, Lord, I need, I need healing in this area of my life. We believe, Jesus, that you can heal our brokenness here and now. It's not because of the piety of the man who's speaking these words. It's not because of there's some magical nature of this place, but it's because, God, you are here. The same God who brought healing yesterday wants to heal us today. So, Lord, we receive your healing touch in Jesus' name. Jesus, you're the only way to eternal life. So we look to you. Lord, where we've looked to other things to try and rescue us, to try and save us, to try and redeem us. We say, Lord, no longer. We look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, for those of us who are following after you, Lord, as we live with the effects of sin in our world, God, I pray that first and foremost you'd give us a hope, like a steadfast anchor for our souls that no matter what storms may come in this life, that you'd remind us that you've got a purpose, that you've got a plan for our days, and that we have a hope that goes beyond this age. And Lord, I pray, I pray that you'd remind us that your love isn't just for us. Lord, help us to be a light in a dark world. Help us to be your ambassadors in our city. We thank you, Father, for your word. Finally, with every head bowed and eyes still closed in this place, perhaps you're here within the sound of my voice 
and you've never made the decision, you've never received the free love of Jesus Christ, or maybe you did a long time ago and you've wandered far from God, and today the Holy Spirit is saying, today's your day to come home. Today's your day to put your faith in the name Jesus again, or maybe for the very first time. If that's you today with every head bowed and eye closed, I just wanna agree with you in prayer. I'm not gonna call you down front or do anything strange, but I just wanna agree with you in prayer. If that's you today, with every head bowed and eye closed, would you just lift your hand up? Say, that's me, Pastor. I wanna say yes to the Lord Jesus. Thank you, God bless you. I see your hand. Anyone else today say, that's me. It's my time to receive the free love of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Church, can we repeat this prayer with those who may be praying it for the very first time? Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sins. I ask you to forgive my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Jesus, I want to follow you all of my days. Amen and amen. Amen. Can we celebrate today? It's all about Jesus today. Can we worship him before we leave this place? Would you stand to your feet this morning? And let's worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. He is here, amen. Whatever is in your heart today, we're here to pray for you. So if you need prayer, we'll have people here pray for them, for you. So just come up to the front as we sing this song. I just feel like we have so many requests, so many needs, and maybe praises, praises to the Lord. So just come up at the front if you need prayer today. And He is here.
every heart I worship you I worship you You are here Healing every heart I worship you I worship you You are here Turning lives around I worship you I worship you You are here Mending every heart I say it I worship you I worship you You are waymaker Miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God That is who you are You are waymaker Miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God That is who you are 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 Even when we don't see it, He's working, right? Even when I don't see it, You're working. Even when I don't feel it, You're working. You, pop. you never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, You're working. Even when I don't feel it, You're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Waymaker, 